Those of you who uh, watch the Facebook, you notice that we are celebrating um, Israel, Blessing Israel Sunday today. Can you all hear me there in the back? Okay. So I've got a brief little presentation about Israel and the need to, why we should bless Israel. First of all, I want to welcome back <laughs> some of our fellows who haven't been here in a while. How was Hawaii? Are you glad to be home? <laughs> oh my. Okay. Um, and our guests, we welcome you. We're all Jews. We were grafted in. What a blessing. Because God came first for the Jews. He sent Jesus first to the Jews. And uh, thanks to the, the apostles who spread the word, the Gentiles were grafted in. God loves Israel. God is faithful. In Genesis 12, 3, we read, I will bless those who bless you, those who confer prosperity or happiness upon you, and curse him or curses or use insolent language toward you. In you will all the families and kindred of the earth be blessed, and by you they will bless themselves. Countries who have been less than favorably or less than, treated Israel less than favorably have found themselves in decline. One good example is the great British Empire. We used to be said that the sun wouldn't set on the British Empire, but they denied Israel access during parts of the, the time and they uh, have dwindled now to a country that is basically locked in one particular part of the world, their island. Yet the Lord has a delight in loving your fathers and he chooses their descendants after them, you above all peoples, as it is this day, Deuteronomy 10, 15. And he who is left in Zion remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who is recorded for life in Jerusalem and, and for eternal life, Isaiah 43, 4, 3. God loves the people of Israel. He loves the country of Israel. God's covenant with, Israel, with Abraham is everlasting. It says in Genesis 17, 7 and 19, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting, solemn pledge to be a God to you and your prosperity after you. But God said, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son indeed, and you shall call him, his name Isaac, which means laughter, and I will establish my covenant or solemn pledge with him for an everlasting covenant and with his posterity after him. Israel has been blessed by God. The covenant with Israel from God is everlasting. It'll go on forever. It's not going to end until one day he comes to Israel. God has not rejected Israel. There's a, there's a teaching now that the church has supplanted Israel. Um, it's not true. Israel is Israel, and the church is the church. I ask then, has God totally rejected and disowned his people? Of course not. Why, I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No God has not rejected and disowned his people, whose destiny he has marked out and appointed and foreknown from the beginning. 
Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? So I ask, have they stumbled as to fall to their utter spiritual ruin and irretrievably? By no means. But through their false steps and transgressions, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So as to arouse Israel to see and, and, and feel what they forfeited, and so to make them jealous. The Jews rejected. God accepted us, the Gentile. There's a messianic movement. A lot of Jews now have come to know Christ as their Savior. That's a wonderful blessing. There are some messianic churches right here in this area. There are messianic churches across the United States. There is a movement that, that has just run all over. The Jews are coming to know Christ by the numbers. By the way, it's not just the Jews, it's also the Muslims. God is faithful and he keeps his promises. I love that about God. He always keeps his promises. God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them once they are given, and he does not change his mind about them to whom he has given those promises. His grace to whom he sends his calls is forever. That's in Romans 11, 1 and 2, and eleven twenty-nine. The land of Israel is God's to give. It's always been God's to give. And these arguments about who owns Israel, simple. God has always owned Israel, and he gave it to the descendants of Abraham, period. I, uh, there have been so many efforts to try and split Israel in pieces. I was watching a history of Israel last night, and the early stage, Israel is about the size of one third of the, city, of the town of, of Los Angeles. And that was their first beginnings. And they accepted that because that was like in 1917. That's the beginnings of what grew into what is now the state of Israel. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back not to Tacoma. He's not coming back to Washington, D.C. or Paris or London. He's coming back to Jerusalem. And his feet shall stand on that day upon the Mount of Olives, which lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from the east to the west and, a, and by a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove towards the north and half of it towards the south. Isaiah 64, 1 and 2, and Zechariah 14, 4. He's coming back to Jerusalem. There's never been a question, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Never. People made it a different capital, and they tried to force it through different means. Thank God, President Trump says, Jerusalem's the capital, and we're moving our embassy there. And we did. Our salvation comes from the Jews. The Bible says in John 4.22, You Samaritans do not know what you're worshiping. You worship what you don't comprehend. We do know what we are worshiping. We worship what we have knowledge of and understand. For after all, salvation comes from among the Jews. It does, and we are. Salvation was to the Jew first. The Bible says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of the good news of Christ, for it's God's power working unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
to Greek or any other Gentile. There's Jew and there's Gentiles. There's Greek Gentiles and whatever. The blessing that I see here is someday all Israel will be saved. Bible says in Romans 11:25 through 27, lest, you're, lest you be self-opinionated and wise in your own conceits, I don't want you to miss this hidden truth and mystery. Brethren, a hardening or insensibility has temporarily befallen a part of Israel to last until the full number of ingathering of the Gentiles has come. When God's got us Gentiles all into the, into the kingdom, then he's going to go get the Jews. And so all Israel will be saved. As it's written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, Isaiah 59, 20 and 21. And this will be my covenant, my agreement with them when I shall take away their sins. Isaiah 27, 9, Jeremiah eleven thirteen, Romans eleven twenty five through 27. The promise is going to be fulfilled. Not part of it, not a little bit of it. Not 99% of it, 100% of God's promises to Israel will be fulfilled. But here's the blessing. Israel's salvation means life to the world. Now, if their stumbling, their lapse, or their transgression has so enriched the world at large, and if Israel's failure means such riches for the Gentiles, think what an enrichment, the greater advantage will follow their full reinstatement. For if their rejection and exclusion from the benefits of salvation were overruled for the reconciliation of the world to God, what will their acceptance and admission mean? It will mean nothing short of life from the dead. Romans 11, 12, and 15. So what, what should we do while we wait? Well, if you've ever tried to witness it to a Jew and tell them about Christ and about Christmas and all these things, it's very difficult because they have, the Orthodox Jew is conditioned to believe that they are being punished, that the world looks at them as bad people because they crucified Christ. So we start talking about Christ, that ends up not being a good thing in their mind. That's persecution. However, they accept the fact that Yeshua HaMashiach, their Messiah, is coming they will accept that. And you can prove that to them through the scriptures, through Isaiah. The problem is getting them beyond he's coming to he has already been here. It just takes prayer, faithfulness, and a, a real understanding of the Old Testament and how it relates to the new. But in the meantime, we can pray for Israel. And I've got a little guide here that I want to share with you. Prayer is God's call to bring about is a will, an act, a thought, a prayer. He has given us the awesome privilege of partnering with him. The prayer to, to, to Israel is to our gift to changing. Boy, the printer was not bad. Circumstances. There's a script-based prayer that can be given to anyone. Jerusalem and the people of pray for the pray for the uh, people of Israel to come to know the Messiah, Yeshua, Psalm 10 and Isaiah 53. For the, I'm going to give this up because the printing just didn't come up. So basically, praying for Israel's salvation is one thing we can all do. What I'd like to share with you now is something that I've been watching on um, a couple of very good Jewish stations. Jewish Voice Ministries International has their own TV station. 
you can actually download their app on any good smartphone, JVI, JVMI, put it on your phone, and teachings and all types of things that you can watch their TV programs. And recently I was watching one with a, a gentleman named Steckelback, who is a, a, an expert on the current situation in Israel relative to their military situation. Pointed out that right now, because of COVID-19, they've been, they've been hit extremely hard. Financially, they're, they're devastated. Remember, Israel's one of their major industries, not their only one, but a major industry in Israel is tourism. Four million tourists a year typically go to Israel, to the Holy Land. They bring with them capital. They spend capital in Israel. Tourist countries live on that tourist trade. But they haven't had that tourist group. They've lost four million tourists. And if you do your math real quickly, if only... If they only spend $100 while they're in Israel, which is kind of ridiculous because everybody's going to spend more than that, they've lost nearly a billion dollars out of their economy. Um, or excuse me, half a billion. The problem is there's no regular types of jobs that pay high wages. There are tech industries that are coming along now and they're doing an excellent job in dealing with COVID. They're doing a lot of research in the, in the medical fields. Sheba Hospital has an excellent research staff and they're working even with other uh, researchers throughout the world to help combat the COVID-19. But that only pays a certain amount. There are thousands, literally thousands of seniors who are living below the poverty level in Israel. Many of them are Holocaust survivors that have come to Israel and Ayala, coming to, from the Ukraine and Russia and other parts where they basically wanted to get to their homeland and there's no support for them. Russia and Ukraine don't have much of a retirement program. When you leave the country, you're left, period. Most of the retirees are living on less than $2 a day. And that's not possible. Ministries like International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, you see them on the TV, you listen to the radio, you hear them all the time. We need to have support for the Israels, for the people in the Holocaust survivors, for the seniors. Jewish Voice Ministry International has about 70 partners in Jerusalem and in, in Israel that they support to help get food, medicine, eye doctors, all types of other benefits to the people in Israel who simply can't afford it. They're devastated. I recently saw um, a program where one of the, one of the folks on TV, uh, Dr. Reagan, went through a tour of Israel and he said normally at this time of the year these streets are bustling with people. He walked down there and the only two people on the street was he and his cameraman, period. Streets were empty, the stores were empty. Nobody's, nobody's selling anything, so there's no profit to be made. It's devastating their economy. So what do we do? We pray for them, but we're also told in the scriptures, if you have the wherewithal to help, you're not supposed to say, sorry about your being hungry, brother, but 
go and be well and not help. We are asked to help. Who do you want to help? Well, the church here, our church, supports and has supported for some time Jewish Voice Ministries International. Um, many of us individually support Jewish Voice Ministries International. But the reason we do that is because they need it. That's part of the problem in Israel right now. The other part of the problem in Israel right now is they're surrounded by people who do not want them to survive. The biggest adversary they have is Iran. And Iran <coughs> is sponsoring terrorism through its, through its subsidiaries, Hamas and Hezbollah, and now they're setting up a, a combination of terrorists in Libya. And um, it's going to be a situation where Israel will be completely surrounded. And if you look, Israel's not a very big country. It's about the size of New Jersey. And it's kind of a pinnacle-shaped thing that, that means you can get across it in a day real easy. So here's, my, here's the situation that I see. With all the enemies around them, and Iran sponsoring, even though they've been devastated by COVID-19, they don't seem to care. It's like communist China doesn't mind sacrificing a couple of hundred thousand people because they got millions. When you're blinded so much by your hatred and your desire to put Israel and the country out of existence, and that's your main goal, everything's fair game. So what are they doing? Well, Iran has supported and sponsored these people with uh, missiles, uh, rockets. They now have over 150,000 rockets and guided missiles, and they have what they call program or guided missiles, smart missiles that can attack much better, able to go into any part of Israel that they want. That's from the north and the northeast. From the south, they're trying to get these same type of missiles into the, the group in Hezbollah. Israeli defense forces are split right now. They're having to deal with COVID-19 for their own people and try and defend the country militarily. It's an awesome task. It's a virtually impossible job. But when you have that dedication and the knowledge that God is on your side, they continue to do it. They continue to try to make sure that everything works in their country. They won't give up. They trust God. 150,000 missiles with a capability to be guided with pinpoint accuracy into targets. And as we saw when they, when they uh, took a, a little drones and attacked the refinery, they can do a lot of damage and they don't have to come straight at you. So the Iron Dome doesn't necessarily work. And they can fly lower. They can be directed from other directions, and there's virtually no defense for them. So have you noticed in the past few months there seems to be an awful lot of explosions in, in Libya? Things are blowing up over there. Nobody seems to know why. I have a feeling I know why, because the only way that you can protect yourself against a sneak attack is a better sneak attack. Perhaps there are people inside the countries that are 
not convinced that they should be blowing up the country of Israel. And maybe they're, maybe they're helping out covertly. 150,000 rockets. Think about that. If we put 150,000 rockets aimed at New Jersey, what would be left? Nothing. You have to take them out. The Israeli Defense Force ministers, the ones in charge, have said, I, we know it's not a matter of if we're going to have to take this aggressive action or if we're going to be involved in a conflict. It's a matter of when. And I think that the answer is going to be when as soon as Israel is able to realize all right, we, we must act now or we're going to be destroyed, they'll act. And you remember the odds against Israel were stacked way, way hard. In 1948, the day after May 15th, when they became a state, six countries attacked them from everywhere. From everywhere. And yet they were not defeated. Kind of reminds you of Gideon, doesn't it? 300 men, had 20,000 to start with, sent them all home, sent them all home, just give me 300, because 300 and God is enough to take care of everything. And I believe right now that our prayers and our, our help when we can help, any way you can help for Israel right now is critical. I believe God is going to protect them. They are his children. But I'd like not to see them totally annihilated or, or destroyed to the point where they can't defend themselves. We're living in a really, really strange world right now. But God loves Israel, and he, he asks us to pray for Israel. In Psalms, it says, you pray for Israel. I'll bless those that pray for Israel. And, and, and the blessing in Genesis 12, 3 is, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Blessings can be given in the form of prayer, in the form of uh, support, financial gifts, food. There's, uh, there's just a multitude of things we can do, but we must do something. Doing nothing is like doing something aggressively against Israel. Do something. If it's a matter of, of just sharing prayer daily for the country, for the people of Israel, and letting them know through prayer that you're, being, you're uplifting them. So I really don't have a whole lot more in this, in this presentation. I've already told you the, the key scripture verses, uh, some of the reasons why we really should be supporting Israel, and why I recommend highly that we do so. I don't have much more time, and maybe I've got a lot more than I thought because I was pretty fast. So I'm going to ask the pastor to come up and, and take over at this point, and he can talk to you about what's on his heart. America's really been blessed. Uh, we take so many things for granted in America. Um, this election is very important. We are 
in danger of losing our freedoms. And I hope that you continue to pray for Israel. They do have enemies, uh, but we know God is with them and God is not going to leave them. We do support them. Um, <clears throat> When you guys support this ministry, we make sure we support other ministries. So your money that you give in here, we don't spend it on things that we shouldn't be spending money on. We try to help people that's really, really in need. I can't even imagine being without food or water or shelter or heat. Uh, I can't even imagine that. But in other third world countries, this is very commonplace. So let's really be thankful for what God has given us. God blesses us so we can bless other people. The gospel message is free, but it takes money to get the gospel message where it should be and where it should go. It takes finances. So when you support it, uh, support us, we make sure we support other people who is not as fortunate as we are. <clears throat> and if you hear, I'm just going to take a few minutes here, but if you hear today, and you have not received Christ as your personal Savior, we want to invite you to do that right now. Uh, we're going to close a prayer here in just a second, and we want to give everyone an opportunity to go to heaven. Uh, I talk to a lot of people who are church goers all the time. They go to church faithfully, but they really don't know if they were to die, they would go to heaven or not. I don't know why that is. I don't know if the word of God is not being preached in that church or what it is. I don't know if people are ignorant of the scripture. I don't know. But Jesus wants you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. If you were to pass away today, you would be in his arms today, right today. And he wants you to be assured of that. And no one can take that from you. So if you're here today, you have not received Christ. We're going to close in prayer, and if you want to receive Christ, you can do it right now. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, that we were able to come, and we thank you, Lord, for the message today. And we pray for the Jewish people that you would protect and watch over them and meet all their needs. And, Lord, I just pray if there's anyone here that does not know you as a Savior, that they would ask you right now to come into their heart. Is there anyone here? that would like to be saved, go to heaven, have all your sins forgiven, free of charge. Doesn't cost you anything. Jesus paid it all. Okay. If you do, just raise your hand. We'll pray with you. Anybody here? Father, we so thank you for these, thank you for these people. Thank you, Lord, that we have the word of God in these last days uh, to cling to. May we have the word in our hearts every day so we can be strengthened in these last days we ask in jesus name amen <clears throat> let's all stand there's a lot of people who are not as strong as you are maybe uh their faith is not as strong as your faith we want to make sure you look around for those people and strengthen those people also so let's look around for needs in these last days because the, the, the harvest is truly ripe but the labors are few so let's go and preach the gospel. Let's not give up. Let's not be discouraged. God is still on the throne and no one has kicked him off and no one ever will. And he's still in charge. So to just keep our eyes on Christ and keep moving forward. So with that, God bless you. We'll continue the book of Revelation next week. We're going through the churches right now and uh, 
We're in Revelation chapter 2, so I will continue to teach that next Sunday, okay? So God bless you.